Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. If I could bring your attention to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, and we're going to read through 53. Praise God. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Luke 9, 51 says, And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was, that, was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Today I want to preach to you just one word, unrecognizable unrecognizable. All right, we're going to ask God to just uh, be God and get a hold of us today. And I, I know it's a little dreary out, but man, my soul's happy and I'm, I'm hungry for what he's got for me. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to consume what he has for us. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the season we're in, God. I pray that our prayers, our petitions, the fasting we've done, the the sacrifices we've made, God, I pray, let them honor you. I pray, oh God, move in this place. Move on hearts. Stir us. Strengthen us, God. Help me, God, your preacher today. God, we thank you together. We give you praise. We give you honor. And in your name I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Clap your hands up to God just for a moment. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Well, I, I want to explain a story that happened um, several decades ago. And <clears throat> I want to talk about a particular story of an alien who crash landed his spaceship into a garage of a suburban middle class family. And this family lived in the San Fernando Valley area in California. You could imagine that family was having just a quiet, normal dinner and enjoying life as normally any family would. And all of a sudden a crash noise came from their backyard and they go to investigate and they see this gaping hole in their garage. And upon further inspection, they find an alien and his spaceship. This family is somewhat of a normal suburban family that consists of a father, a mother, and two children, a teenage daughter, and a little bit of a younger son. They also have a cat in this family, a pretty particular family. I don't know why anyone owns cats, by the way, but that's, <clears throat> you could bring that up before God on Judgment Day. <laughs> this family is unsure, really, in this moment, what to do. And how to address the situation. And of course, great fear and concern overwhelms them. Uh, 
But they decide to take into their home and hide this particular alien from the government until he can repair his spaceship and take off. This amazing story, of course, takes place in the 80s, and I'm referring to the story of Alf. Alf, as you see, <clears throat> if you remember that, how, how many 80s people remember Alf? My God, I'm, some of you are like, what's going on here? <laughs> as I was <clears throat> coming home in my youth, I was in elementary at this time, I was what you call typically a latchkey kid, right? A latchkey kid. And I uh, had, had a key to the house. And, and man, I, our house was just set up in the right spot. My, my parents bought a home um, in, in the very backyard of my elementary school. So I just had to walk through the field out, out of school, maybe 500 feet from my first grade desk to my bedroom. That's how close it was. It was very close, so walking home was no problem. And I also had my sister with me. She was a few years younger. I think at this time I'm probably fifth grade, and she's probably first or second grade. And we're walking home together, and uh, of course, like any responsible big brother. I'm keeping her safe. And uh, I get to the back door and I, I, I insert this key into the back door of my house. And as I turn it, as I open it up, I, I, before I can truly unlock that door, the door opens up immediately from the inside. My sister is behind me in this moment. The door swings wide open and there is a man wearing familiar pants and familiar shirt, but wearing that face. Oh, no. <laughs> a man in, a, in an elf mask, scaring me and my sister to death. Unrecognizable yeah. is the best word that I can bring to you today. Now my sister, and loving as she is, pushed me into him <laughs> and ran that way. Of course, as a little five-year-old, I did what I knew how to do, just ball up my little fist and fix to punch the big nose on that thing. And there, before I was able to fire off a shot, my dad lifts up the mask. And he did that all just for his fun. That's what dads do, right? <laughs> I, I question your fatherhood if you're not scaring your children. Right? Please, please do so. Why, why is this important today that I bring you this story? Is because everything about him I recognized except his face. I didn't, I didn't see it as familiar. It was a scary moment that I'll never forget. I'll always have a special place in my heart for Alf. But today, I really want to focus on, in Scripture, there's some similarities. I want to talk about Moses for a second. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 30, we read, And when Aaron and all his children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh to him. And Moses called unto them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh. And he gave them the commandments, all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. And when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out 
And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put that veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with God. This, this thing that happened to Moses made him so unrecognizable to the people of God. Changed his demeanor and changed the way uh, they viewed him. So much so they worried. They feared the glow from off his face. Anytime, I want us to really grasp this truth. Anytime we're in the presence of God, we go through a real change. Let me say it this way. Anytime we're truly in the presence of God, we should go through a real change. We no longer should be recognizable to who we used to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 makes this great point that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want us to understand as we grow in God and as we uh, attain his presence and get into his, his, his circular surroundings, if I could put it that way, approach his holiness, we should change. God's unchanging. Therefore, I need to change. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. Alpha, Omega. Aren't you glad he's he's the God of the Old Testament? Aren't you glad that you know him as Jesus in, in this day and age? I'm grateful for the consistency God has. He's unchanging. But what does that mean for me? I need to change. I need to understand that he's the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me, God. Make me in what you need me to be. Change me, God, any way you seem fit. I want to speak to this point that we need to be unrecognizable to this world. That's the message today. I know you could probably go ahead and fold up your Bible and head to your car and go out to eat, but please stay with me just a little bit longer as I drive this point home. We need to understand that if I'm not changed, then I still need some changing to do. Let me say this. When you come to God on a, on a Sunday, hopefully at this church, and you get into an altar and you pray, God, forgive me. God, forgive my sins. God, it's a 180. It's a, I'm changing my direction. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm not going back to the pill. I'm not going back to the bottle. I'm not going back to that adulterous relationship. I'm not going back to that website. I'm not going back to the, the, to the thing on my phone. I'm not doing it no more because I'm sorry for it. That's repentance. That's that's what it looks like when you change your motions of sins. Paul will talk about this in Romans 7 and 5. He says, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the latter. 
we must be so unrecognizable to this world. I'm, 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 I'm just going to say this. You need to understand the, the, the revival we just came out of needs to totally change you. <laughs> oh, my Lord, you need to be different. You're, I'm telling you what, you need to be a different. If you, if you came here this past weekend, if you've been part of this process of consecrating yourself, which is a, a process of separation, it's a process of saying, God, you're holy, I'm not, let me get there. Right? If you do this, you have to change. And when I change, I'm no longer recognizable to anything around me. I'm a different spouse to my wife. Oh, my God. Some of us need to hear that. I need to be a different spouse to my wife. I need to be a different parent to my children. I, I need to be a different co-worker in my workplace. I, and there's got to be something different about you that when you walk into a workplace, they're like, oh, what happened to you last weekend? Well, I'm glad you asked. You got to, you know what that thing is? I get, no one has it on Monday morning. It's called joy. <laughs> Caffeine helps you get there, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't the real source. You have to understand that there's a difference when you walk into work with a smile on your face and everyone else is like what are you smiling about I remember I was <laughs> I was so young I received the Holy Ghost at 10 years old 10 years old I was in fourth grade and I'll never forget that moment just excited walking in <laughs> Monday morning to school and, and I just had this excitement on me and, and kids just around me, they weren't asking but I was letting them know guess what happened to me yesterday I got the Holy Ghost they're like what are you talking about you don't, you don't get it in my 10 year old depth of biblical knowledge all I did know was that you know what you have to be excited about what God gives you you have to be excited about how he changes you I, I, I don't understand it I, I don't let me tell you what your day to day you, you, you go to the grocery store you need to understand you need to be unrecognizable you need to go through your, your own lane that you normally do and they're like uh, can I help you and you're like you recognize me don't you know who are you again that's how unrecognizable you need to be. Yeah. You need to understand your, your finances need to be unrecognizable. Yes. Oh, what, what, uh, banks should be reporting to you and say, uh, we noticed some strange activity. You canceled this subscription and that subscription and we noticed that you're spending a lot of time around this building. Right. <laughs> Come on now. Right. Something different about your finances. There's something different about your speech. There's something different about your communication. I, I, we have to be unrecognizable in every place we go. Let me tell you what. Your phone needs to be like, I can't unlock. I can't unlock. I don't identify you. Who are you? you you're, again, your bank needs to call you up, email you every single day, and say, your, your card got stolen. There's some fraudulent activity happening because we don't recognize who you are. I'm, I'm trying to get us to understand. We need to understand that un, being unrecognizable in this world is what we're supposed to be. This world should not know you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have a familiarity with this world. 
I have to ask ourselves, how, how are we truly recognized? How are we taken in? How are we looked upon? And uh, if you've got camaraderie with this world, that's a problem. If you've, if you've got a closeness and a relationship and special treatment, don't get me wrong. I love, I, I've worked a long time and going to the same eateries and sitting at same tables and waiting for same waiters or waitresses to get to that place of familiarity that they know how you like your coffee or they know like what you want to eat. They walk in and they say your name, you know, it's, it's, it's cheers all of a sudden, you know, uh, they want you, they, they, you, that's hard work. That is time. That is effort. Those are things that we do in this world. How many of us are willing to do that with God? The familiarity of coming to him over and over again where he knows us by name. Where he's familiar with how we like things and what makes our heart flutter and what brings real joy into our lives. How, how we like our eggs cooked in the morning and how what temperature our steak is. Medium rare, that's, that's the answer. Okay. Here's the deal. Jesus speaks about this in John 15 and 19. He says, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. That's, that's a litmus test right there. You need, you need to understand this. I, I, always, <laughs> I always find it interesting, and, and this, is, this is cultural stuff here and generational differences. We're, we're, I, I'm from a different generation where, you know, it was normal to talk to your neighbor. And that's changed, right? And and now we kind of we're like, I got I'm pressing that garage door button so I can hurry up. And how many of you are one of those who presses the garage door button before you get out of your car? <laughs> how many of you are on that level? Oh, some of you look at each other and know some things. <laughs> All right. But back in the day, you would do the old, hey, how you doing? The wave, right? And, but some of, some of us go right further back. And, and I'm sure you go to some old neighborhoods, right? And you would walk down the street and you would say, hey, hey, Jim, what's up? And, and then you would talk about how family's going while you're still walking and like have 600 feet of distance uh, between you two. And you're screaming about some of your bank account numbers. That's how close you would be with some of your neighbor people. But here's the litmus test. We need to understand how close are we to this world that this world responds to our every whim and cares so much about how we feel and what we're doing. How, how, how close are we to this world where we have, more, we have more suggestions and recommendations on what we watch then we have more time in kneeling down and seeking God out in prayer. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Let me just say this. This world hates you. It hates you. If, it, if you are being real to God, if you're, being, if you're being transparent before God and saying, God, I don't have everything put together. You know that, Lord. I love, I love the fact that we think that we can hide from God, that we can just fool God in, in some way. But he sees our heart. He, he has the most spiritual x-ray vision. And we do we, we do this because what, the only person we're fooling is ourselves. 
We are only fooling ourselves. It's that, that statement. You, you say a lie enough, right? Long enough, it becomes truth. And we've said these truths to ourselves that we think they're truths, but the, the, the reality is God knows the truth because he is truth, right? And he sees who's really his and who's not really his. But this world will do everything it can to flatter you. Proverbs 29 and 5 says this, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. 2 Peter 2.18, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape from them who live in air. Let me read, I didn't put this up there, but let me read a different translation. It says, For they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. I want us to catch who they're trying to get. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. Attention, babes in Christ. Okay? You just got you just got free from the miry clay. You just got don't degrade yourself to the flattery of this world. If the world is talking good things, you need to have alarms going off, caution flags saying, Why are you being so nice to me? Whoa, 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 whoa. what are you trying to say to me? Hold on. This is not right. You're right, it's not right. You don't need favor from this world. You need favor from God. A familiar text. We know it very well. We're reminded about how the world hates us. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm just going to pause there. I'm going to break this down a little bit more. Just If any man loves this world, then you don't have love for the Father. This goes back to Christ saying you can't serve two masters. This goes to early today. You can't struggle with two opinions. You've got to choose. You've got to understand who do you want to be known by and who do you want to be unrecognizable by. It goes on. It goes on here. Look at it, verse 16. For all, I love what, what the word tells us. It's in this world, right? For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doth the will of God abideth forever. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm like you at times. I hear passages of scripture over and over again. This is a familiar passage, but sometimes I need to be rebaptized in its truth and understand. Guess what? If, if I don't know if you've heard this over and over again. All of that ugliness that the world has, all that lust and pride, all of it, it has got God has nothing to do with it. God doesn't put lust in your heart. God doesn't put pride in your heart. That's not from God. I'm here to tell you right now. If you're struggling with any of those things, it's not of God. It doesn't come from him. It comes from a relationship that you still have with this world. And we need to grab a hold of this, be rebaptized again. All that. All, every part of it is going to pass away. Every part of it. I'm, I'm, am I going to lie to you and say that sin isn't fun? Sin's a great time. Sin's enjoyable. Sin's seasonal. 
fades away. It'll be gone. And, and the problem with sin, the problem with it is that not only does it fade away, but it, it, it makes you fade away. It changes, your, it changes who you are. It changes your metal. It changes your heart. It changes your life. It does all sorts of things in you that you need to understand that if I'm still connected to this, then I'm not connected to the love of God. And I, I speak this not to, be, to hurt anyone's feelings. If you're still struggling, the, sh the real struggle is this, is that you're struggling with the love of God. My God, I don't want to struggle with his mercies. I don't want to struggle with his goodness. I don't want to struggle with his care on my life. When I struggle with that, then I'm, I'm found in these things. It's all going to pass away. I, I need us to understand we are being looked at. Well, this church, you as a person, when you go to school, you go to work, in your family, you are being graded. You are being judged. You are being watched. You are are absolutely being read. Yes. We know this text, 2 Corinthians 3.23. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Yes, Wow, apostles trying to get us to understand that you are, are, are recognized a certain way. But how you are recognized is vital. We, we've all had moments in an altar, and I'm not saying this altar, but an altar. An altar where we had a moment. It could be an altar in your vehicle where you're driving down the road listening to a song, and that lyric pricks your heart, and all of a sudden an altar pops up in, the, in your heart. Everybody, I believe this wholeheartedly, everybody has had God write some things on their heart. Yes. I just believe that with everything in me. Yes. But we need to understand and yield to that and understand that it is so vital that it's time for us to truly walk in the newness that he made us. Yes. Yes. Worldliness, flesh is recognized in different ways. How many of you are a fan of like a, a particular author uh, that has written many, many books, right? You, it, it could be anyone. Uh, I'm, try, I'm failing to come up with one name. Um, okay. How, you know, when they write so many books, what is their books called? Their works or series. Okay. But typically it's works right? It's a work that they've, have you read their new work? Have you, have you seen what they kept? Sin has works. Sin, sin has been writing some things and it, it's okay to call them works because it's exactly what they do. They work against you. Let's read this in, uh, in this Galatians 5:19. Now the works of the flesh, look what the flesh has written. There are manifests, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such a like 
of the which I tell you before. I love how he says this. He, he reminds, of which I've told you before, and I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're still recognized, if you still understand and have relationship with any of these works, if you're still going back to these books and reading them and allowing them to minister into your flesh, if you are still allowed to eat away at your spirit, let me tell you what, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's, here's a problem we have right now. A problem right now is that warning signals have gone off over and over and over again. Now, I'll, I'll, who would be honest with me? This is real transparency. Who will be honest with me and say, you have yet to change the battery in that fire alarm in your house that keeps on chirping? Yeah, I like it transparency why do, why do we do it because we've allowed warnings to fade I, I can deal with that who, who, who makes these things with batteries 9 volts nowadays right come on get with the program double A or nothing let's go right but here's, here's, here's the truth I, I've had several, <laughs> I have several of these stupid things in my house and every now it's like they, they, and one of them will go and I will fight it to change it and until I just like, okay, I can't handle it no more. But then the next one will go right next to it. And I'm confused why there's two in the same area. I'm, I'm confused by that. But here's the truth. The truth is we have grown accustomed to ignoring these warning signs. How, what? Here's, here's how long the warning signs have been going on. Long before a 9-volt battery could, could give up the juice. It's been going on since the forerunner preached that repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. That same message has been, been preached for over 2,000 years. And when I just read to you what keeps us out of the kingdom of heaven... There is no remorse in the spirit here. I could feel it. Because we are tuned to ignore the warnings. I'm telling you right now that warnings are vital for us to grasp. I believe wholeheartedly that we are approaching a day and an age where that sky is going to crack wide open. It ain't, it's a, a day like this should tell you something. A day where it's raining. Just like Noah. He kept pounding on that ark. He kept putting board to board. He kept making sure he was building an ark for the saving of his family. He was doing everything he could when it was dry when it was a desert place when he hadn't even seen a rainy day in over a hundred years but finally a drop falls down could you imagine that 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 <laughs> that uh, that moment Moses had I'm curious if he had this if he had that moment where that first raindrop falls from heaven splashes on his forehead and he realizes I'm not crazy that's right come out as he's as he's putting that thing down and 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 
putting that last board and fastening maybe that, that last thing for the ark. Or maybe he's, maybe he's pushing in the, the last little lamb into the ark, whatever it may be. There's a, there's a moment where that first raindrop hits and it comes to him that, thank God that I've been faithful to your call. Thank God that I've been faithful to what you asked me to do. Thank God that I didn't give up. Thank God that I didn't give up on your word. Thank God I didn't give up on the warnings and, and the message you gave me. Oh, Lord, this world laughed at me. They mocked me because I was not one of theirs. All right. All right. All right. Could you imagine working in Ace Hardware around Noah? Oh, here comes crazy Noah. Lumber's in the back. You know where it's at. They're all around there, around the... Have you been in Ace Hardware before? It's like Disney World to me. I don't know why. <laughs> they got like coffee cups and signs, pocket knives. They have random. balloons. Yeah. It is the most random meat place. And the one I kind of go to, they, you have five or six of them all around just sitting there drinking coffee, talking about stuff. <laughs> Only one of them works there, too. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> right? And you walk in there, and they're so helpful. What can I help you with? And you, they send you on your way. And uh, I, I just, I'm amazed by it. But that's what happened. They had all these people just laughing at Noah, saying, what is this crazy guy doing? You can see as he's walking back to the lumber aisle, all of them around their coffee going, can you believe that idiot? He's, have you, I'll show you his bill on lumber, okay? He's building a boat. There's not even water on this, on this flatter. He'll get it. He got it. <laughs> you have to understand something. Your actions need to be so unrecognizable and foreign to the people in this world. Yes that it's okay if they label you crazy. It's okay if they label you psycho. But I'll tell you what they won't label you. They won't label you depressed. They won't ever label you broken. They won't ever label you poor. They won't ever label you poor in spirit. I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying that just because we're in this that we don't have problems and we don't have struggles. No, we got all those things. But how we get through them, how we how we fight through them, how we live through those things, that's that's what makes us unrecognizable from anybody else. I used to work in invoke rehab and I worked with counselors. <laughs> counselors who would counsel people. <laughs> Counselors would come to me and say, hey, can I talk with you in my office for a second? And I'd say, yeah. i walk in there and they would open up. They would approach me and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know, I don't know how to get through this. I, I, I know you're a person of faith and I've never dug deep and asked you any of these questions, but I don't know, I just, I don't know who else to talk to. Right, right, right. There's something different about you. Yeah. I don't recognize, I can't go to another counselor because they're trained the same way. 
that we read the same books, but there's something different about you. Church, there's something different about you. You cannot be recognized by this world any longer. You need to start changing who you are. You need to understand when holy cries out to holy, you need to answer that call. You need to answer that level of consecration. You need to say, you know what? I need to be different. I need to be unrecognizable. My joy needs to be from from him and not from a caffeine pill or, or from a drug or from anything. My joy doesn't need to come from an NFL team winning. And my joy doesn't need to come from, you know, I got extra points on my Candy Crush app. No. Right. Right. My, my joy needs to come from him. Yeah. Let's all stand. Amen. I close with my focusing on my opening text, Luke 9. 51. And it came to pass... When the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face. Let me, let me rewind. I'm going too fast already. Hear this. And the time came, all right, when the time was come that he should be received up. Church, that's the time. We're living in the time. We're about to be received up. Look what Look what Jesus does. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He also sent messengers before his face that they would enter in the villages of the Samaritans to make ready for him. All right? Hey, listen, I'm going there. If you can't procure a, a place to rent so we can rest or we can relax. Maybe I could pray with somebody who needs a, a prayer, I, I, who needs a, a miracle. Look what 53 says. They did not receive him. Here comes Jesus. Do you have room? This is so familiar to his origin story. No, we don't want him. It's all right. Tell him to keep going. Why? Because he was unrecognizable based on his direction. Hear this, because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. Let me just bring this in and tie this up the best I can. This world should not know us because our direction is Calvary. This world, we should be unrecognizable to this world because we've chose to carry a cross and to die on one. I'm asking you, as the day is approaching, the moment's happening, it is coming. God's return is coming. I don't know about you, but my face, it's, it's not face toward this world. I'm set towards my death. I'm set towards this flesh dying. I'm, I'm set towards, you know, the cross and what it means and what it's going to do in my life. This is what I need us to understand as a church. We are going to be judged by what we can produce. Jesus will say this. He, he makes this point in, in his powerful sermon on the mount. Matthew 7, 13. 
Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But he doesn't stop there. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their what? Fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Please listen to this. A good tree cannot, say that word cannot, cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Why am I trying to get us to understand that? Is that you can't have growing off one limb the most succulent pear you've ever had in your life and then on the other limb you have nothing but thorns. You can't have a mixture of what you produce. You cannot be recognized by God and be recognized by this world. You will have to make a choice on who recognizes you. Plain and simple. I talked about the, the works of the flesh. Allow me to talk about what the Spirit can do. I love that. I go back to Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I want to ask you to bow your head with me. here to talk to somebody trying to figure out what tree they are trying to figure out what they're producing what you produce is determined by what you're rooted in my God I pray you would break up with this world my God I, I pray that you would let go of the of the sweet talking world. Let go, just let the hand go. I'm telling you right now, this world wants to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy you. This world wants nothing but to rape your goodness and steal what's what's perfect in you. This this world hates you, every part of you, but you are believing a lie. You're gazing in the beautiful eyes of this world. And the world is making those googly faces and saying, no, 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 stay with me. Continue to stay with me. I've got you. No, it does not. 
This world hates you. Oh, if you could ask God right now, Lord, revive the warning signs in my spirit. God, revive the warning signs in my ear. God, I've, I've allowed the word of God to become dull and become, oh God, just a, a tinkling symbol. I pray right now, Lord, let your word become a bass and a boom in my soul. Lord, help me right now to make that choice. I choose to be unrecognizable by this world standard, and I choose to know who you are, to fall in love with you deeper, to come to a place of repentance and say, God, I want to walk different. I want to talk different. I, I want to be different in you. I want to bear some fruit. I want to give off some things that are good for my family, good for my, my spouse, good for my children. I want to give off things that are good for this community. My God, work in me. Lord, God, help me to give up some things. Church, come on. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 